0: Welcome to the Big Fundamental Podcast, a San Antonio Spurs podcast brought to you by KENS 5, the official TV station of the Spurs. I am Jackson Floyd, and join me this week. Uh, he's been described as the eye candy of the podcast. Of course, that is an uh, audio format. How are you doing today, Tom Petrini? No,
1: I'm good. Thank you for the compliment. Uh, you know, it's, I, I have more room to shine now that Joe and Jeff are <laughs> uh, not with us today. But, you know, somebody has to be the handsome one. And, it, I mean, it's not going to be... I do, I, I, so.
0: That's fair. I, I am older and wiser <laughs> and all those things as well. Yes, of course, last week we were the Fantastic Four with Joe Ryan Engel and Jeff Garcia from Locked On Spurs with us. This week we're Batman and Robin. We'll let you decide who's whom.
1: This is one that only uh, certain... Analysts for a certain network could get wrong.
0: (laughs) There you go. Hey, there's a lot to talk about, really. I mean, there wasn't a lot of newsworthy things per se off the top, but man, there's a lot to dive into with the Spurs right now in terms of where they are heading into the season. We're less than two months away from preseason training camp. Uh, Right around the corner here will be the start of the season as well. I believe the first game is, what, October 21st, October 20th, 2021, so... Just right around the corner, as we dive into that, first of all, just want uh, your opinion on the reports from New York Times Mark Stein Greg Popovich, who is twenty six wins away from being the all time winningest NBA head coach in basketball history. Uh, maybe a couple more words in there as well as you describe his uh, his, uh, his standing in there uh, twenty six games away from passing his friend Don Nelson, reportedly wants to do that. Is this a duh is this a are you surprised at all by that statement
1: uh no, uh, I, I think that anybody who uh, is in a position like that where, I mean, it's it's hard to have a career as special as Greg Popovich. Yeah. That's why not many people have done it. That's why he's here at at the top of this mountaintop almost. And uh, so, yeah, I, I read that report and uh, it was like, he wants this a lot more than he'd like for you to think that he wants it, which, sure, you know, that that makes sense. Uh, but also nobody would hold it against Greg Popovich for wanting that. Yeah. Uh, because I mean that's a pretty good way to uh, you know talk about his life's work. Yeah. Um, and um, you know you you don't get into a career like this you don't stay good in a career like this for as long as Greg Popovich has if you don't have that competitive side to you. Um, and you know I, I know that the the record probably means less to him than, you know, his his friendship with Nelly, but Nelly wants him to break the record, you know? And uh and I'm sure the the two have had a lot of fun conversations about that over a nice bottle of wine. So um, you know, I I think that it's absolutely something that he wants and he should want.
0: Yeah. I mean Sure, the mantra that is always ascribed to Popovich, and he'll tell it to you too, is life is bigger than basketball, right? There's things like that. But that doesn't mean he doesn't want to succeed at basketball. That doesn't mean that he doesn't appreciate the greatness that he has reached and the pinnacle he's reached and doesn't want to go further. Uh, I mean, we've seen how much the game means to him and these achievements mean to him as recently as when they won the gold medal. We talked about it last week, that video that came out from uh, JaVale McGee's video blog. And, you know, I think it it says also as well that no one has heard from JaVale McGee since that so <laughs> Gulag we don't know what happened there <laughs> but I mean he was so impassioned uh, and, and was almost brought to tears when talking about how much that win meant to him and, and what that team went through and I think you're going to see a lot of that this season as he nears that pinnacle as well as being the winningest basketball coach of all time um, but you're right he still is going to value the friendships more and maybe it's a nice bottle of wine maybe it's uh, whatever Don Nelson's been growing in Hawaii I'm sure they do talk about a lot about that as well so uh
1: I bet Pop is a once I'm retired guy. <laughs> 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 I'm kidding. We'll cut that part.
0: Maybe we won't. <laughs> Maybe we won't. We'll see. But I mean that. So this this report almost feels like it comes from a place where you know the off season has reached that point where we are. You know, we we've gotten through trade deadline. We've gotten we've gotten through the uh, the draft. We've gotten through free agency. We've gotten all the big the the big meaty bites uh of the off season are out of the way and so this is kind of the little nibbles that you gotta fill the time and yeah. space in. We're
1: well. we're at uh it's it's the middle of August, end of August, which means it's like prime time for hyping up Ben Simmons jump shot <laughs> open gym videos like we do every August for the yeah. last five years. Uh so you know That's basically where we're at in the content cycle, I think.
0: I haven't seen a Ben Simmons miss on my Twitter timeline in months, so that's where we are. I also posted a a, a video of myself shooting. Please uh, compare and contrast. Ben Simmons and I We're both lefties. Uh, Maybe we both shouldn't be lefties. I don't know. We'll see. Remains to be seen. Uh, I made two of my shots, so there you go. That doesn't mean that, I mean, sure, we're in the nibbly stage, you know, we're talking about Ben Simmons jump shots. But um, the most notable thing I think that happened in the last week since we last talked was the NBA schedule came out. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that, I think, kind of puts a little bit of a frame, uh, a bit of framework around where the expectations might be for the San Antonio Spurs this season. Um, The first thing that stood out to me for for the Spurs schedule, looking at it for the first time, was it seems like a slog. Right. Uh, Looking at the first eight games in particular, six of them are against playoff teams. Like that's going to be brutal. They play Milwaukee. They play Dallas. They play the Lakers. um, They play Milwaukee twice in the first eight games. The thing is,
1: honestly, this this might be a little zig when they zag thing might be the hopeless optimist in me. (laughs) Hopeful optimist. Uh, But but, uh, if you got to play Milwaukee twice anyway. Right. Yeah. You might as well do it at the beginning of the year when maybe they're still figuring some stuff out. And I know they just won the title, but maybe they got a little championship hangover. Maybe they're not getting up for the game against the Spurs. And, uh, you know, maybe Bryn Forbes comes through with a crazy revenge game. Ooh. <laughs> uh, I like that, that narrative. Would be fun. Yeah, I mean, um, they,
0: they might still be in celebration
1: mode, exactly. So. Right. And, you know, same, same thing with the, the Lakers. And you got Dallas in there twice as well. Like, the, they're talented teams. But they're also teams that might be still trying to figure some things out. For sure. For sure. The Spurs are going to be trying to figure things out, too. But, um, you know, it's there's a little bit... I I think in the beginning of the season, there's a little bit more of a chance for those like, oh, that was weird, kind of upsets uh, to happen. So, I I mean,
0: there is something to be said, though, about like, if you're playing Milwaukee, play them now. If you're playing Dallas twice in the first eight games, this is also a good time. I mean, they're bringing in an entirely new coaching roster, right? Jason Kidd, they recently just brought Jared Dudley in, who retired, and he's going to be on that uh, bench. If you're going to play a pickup game, I think I saw Locked On, Mavericks, uh, Nick, uh, the host there, uh, tweeting about if you're going to play a pickup game between coaching rosters, you probably don't want, it's the Mavericks, and then it's everyone else based on the talent they have. Whether or not that translates to good coaching, we'll see, but uh, I mean, it's a whole new rotation Back when Timmy
1: was on the Spurs coaching staff, Different different story, Timmy and Becky running and pick and roll down your throat, like, that's a problem. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, that, that on-court coaching would be... But, yeah, like, they're, they're going to... The beginning of any year, teams are going to be adjusting. Everybody's got new pieces. Everybody's going to be trying to figure out how they work together and how to optimize what they've got. So, um, you know, there, there is a good chance that at least one of those games falls the Spurs way, I think. Yeah.
0: Now, if if they're facing six playoff games in the first eight, maybe you think that it, it gets easier as the schedule goes on. Um, there's a reason why they're they're ranked the second hardest schedule in the league. They've got two, uh, road trips of more than se- of at least seven games on the road consecutively. I mean, we always talk about the roadier road trip as being kind of a slog, but if you look at the stretch from uh, December seventeenth at Utah through uh, what Jan- uh, January tenth when they're playing New York, the Knicks there. I mean, that is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, eleven of fifteen on the road, including a seven-game stretch between the thirtieth and the tenth, 10- the thirty-first and the tenth, where they start the new year on the road. Like that just feels like uh, just an extra burden on this team right ahead of the rodeo road trip. I mean, it's going to be a slog. I, 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 to me, what the schedule release did was lower the bar as to what I think would be a successful season for the Spurs. And I wonder if they they're not in playoff or play in contention anymore. Um, I, I would have imagined them just being just under 500 to finish the year before the, the schedule came out. I dropped them a couple of games based on the schedule. Now I'm looking at maybe 32, 50, 34, 48 in that range. Which puts them towards the 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 seller of the league. So I mean, but it also puts them above the win total that Vegas is expecting. What were your takeaways? Does this lower the bar for the Spurs here?
1: I think it makes the path a little more difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, But my expectations for the Spurs this season, you know, we're never about who are they going to play and what's the schedule look like. It's really going to be a question of can this team with the pieces that they have compete right now as they're developing toward a team that can compete. Mm-hmm. Um I think that's going to be the case. I think that they're going to surprise a lot of people uh you know team team side media side fan side uh who are just like oh how are the Spurs like not getting blown out in these games? They lost, you know, the three players whose names I know. <laughs> and like it's it's going to be I think I, I believe that this young core is gonna be pretty competitive and bring a lot of defense that was lacking last year. And um you know, I don't think they're gonna I I don't know if they're gonna be like uh I think they're gonna be fighting for a plane mm-hmm. spot. Somewhere in that, you know, seven to ten range. Um and that's how I felt before the schedule drop. That's how I feel after. There are some Really long and uh, really inconvenient travel here. Because uh, I was looking, I was like, "Hmm, what, what trips could I maybe sell here?" Uh, <laughs> uh, New Year's Eve they play in Memphis. New Year's Day they're in Detroit. <laughs> Less just, than 24 hours later,
0: skipping over the Yuck. pond, right? So <laughs>
1: that's an easy flight to
0: make after that, that game. That
1: is terrible. Um, yeah, no, and they're they're like. Yeah, there, there's a lot in here that's like, whew, uh, and obviously NBA is tough. Like yeah. like there are teams that I'm circling on this schedule that you didn't have to ske- circle last year, and now it's like, mm, it's going to be a tougher game than it was last year.
0: Um, there may be winnable games in here too, and this is not kind of the, the reflection you always want to put in your team, but as teams look at their <laughs> schedule and they see, oh, we've got you know a back-to-back and the Spurs are on the back end of that as well, the Spurs might be the team that player that you know coaches are circling and general managers are circling saying, like, hey, we need to get some rest because the whole season's going to be a grind, maybe we take some guys against the Spurs and so that kind of plays into the wins and losses as well for the team and, as well but
1: and it also might be you know sort of the reverse of that where it's like, yo, we're, we're playing this team we got to beat them like yeah if, if, and the Spurs have had a lot of games in the past couple of years where they lost to teams that they shouldn't have lost to. Um, So I think that's going to be a a big part of the schedule as well because the games that they should win are, are not locks.
0: You know the uh, game that haunts me to this day? It's it's an old one, but a good one. Uh, the last final game of the season lost to the Pelicans, that dropped them from a two or three seed oh to the man. seven seed. Then they play the Clippers in the first round and lose in seven games there. Um, yeah, that one uh, still lingers in the back of the mind. I saw someone recently post as uh, Marvel's what if airs on Disney. Plus, Like, yeah. what's a what if basketball correlation you can make? And there's a couple that popped to Spurs' minds. I, I tweeted out one about, you know, uh, rebound by Bosch, Don't back even out to Allen. It.
1: Why off the rim, are you just traumatizing <laughs> us right now.
0: I uh, know it's a what if. It's different; the outcome changes. A perfectly
1: so. nice afternoon here.
0: So, I mean, that, that Pelicans game might not be top three for my what if situation scenarios, but uh, it definitely rounds up the top five, I think, uh, in terms of games right. that I'd like to forget. Like you're saying, they're they're winnables, they're losables. Sometimes you lose the winnable ones. So,
1: take care of business games. I'm interested. I'm more interested in those games, mm-hmm. honestly, than I am in the ones where they're going to be punching up. Yeah. Right. Like if they can take care of business against the teams, the other teams that, you know, aren't being thought of very highly around the league, um, you know, I I think that that will uh, be a good sign for them. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Spurs will have to take care of business. Meanwhile, the front office is taking care of business in their own right. This week, they officially announced that Bryn Forbes had had signed his contract. He is back in San Antonio, a place he called his second home. He's wearing the number seven on the front of his jersey this time around. Tom, what are your thoughts on uh, bringing Bryn back in? And uh, why do you think there's so much hate around the move?
1: Well, I I think that uh, Bryn Forbes is a very polarizing player for Spurs fans, a lot of whom got like sick of watching him get killed on defense uh, his last time here, and uh, I'm here to tell you, I was one of those people. Uh, it's a different team, and it's surely going to be a different role for Bryn Forbes this time around. I've been using this metaphor to talk about Bryn Forbes for a while now, but like... Starting Bryn Forbes, and not just starting him, but he played the third most minutes on the team outside of, like, it was DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge and Bryn Forbes. Uh, And that was on a team that also had Patty Mills and Marco Bellinelli taking minutes. Uh, Every team needs one guy, one guy, (laughs) who his whole job is to come off the bench and shoot threes. And if that's all he does, he's done his job. Spurs had three of those guys, and one yeah. of them was playing the third most minutes on the team. It wasn't sustainable. It didn't work. It was like if you were going on a camping trip, and as a go-to knife, instead of a Leatherman, you took a scalpel. That's not what it's for. But, like, if you're doing surgery, which one do you want, right? Yeah. So with the Bucks, we saw Bryn Forbes in more of that, like, surgical role. He was coming off the bench. He played 19 minutes a game, 10 points shot 45% from three. Um, The Spurs had a guy who, that was his job, Patty Mills. He's playing for the Nets now. Uh, I kind of think it makes perfect sense to bring him back in uh, in a limited role. And the people that are upset that he's back, uh, I don't think have really truly grasped how the roster is different. And, you know, the, the Spurs have very clearly... Clear the runway for more opportunities for these young guys. Yeah. So uh, I can guarantee he's not going to play the third most minutes on this team. I can all but guarantee that he won't start. It would shock me if he started.
0: Yeah. I mean, Um, the Spurs lost DeRozan, they lost Gay, they lost Mills. That was a lot of scoring for this team. But what it also was, it represents the most corporate knowledge this team has. And that's a phrase that Pop, an an asset that Pop finds very valuable. Bringing a guy in who's been in the system when DeJounte Murray is your longest tenured Spurs is a a good move. Um, You know who was
1: there the first year with DeJounte Murray?
0: Bryn Forbes. Exactly. And he spoke to that too. He's played with these guys. He knows this young core. That's going to be really valuable. I like him in the Patty Mills position. The Spurs Spurs team was one that uh, really needs shooting, and if so, if you're going to bring in a guy to shoot the ball, he's not one. Of, he's he's one of the better guys to do it. I'm just going to read off some Spurs PR stats to you, uh, courtesy of Jordan Howenstein. Just kind of put this in perspective. And of course, this is PR. They're they're only tweeting the good stuff about Burn Forbes, but he's only one of three players to make 153 pointers while shooting over 45% from long range last season. He was the third best guy, alongside Joe Harris and Joe Ingles, right? In five career seasons, he's made five hundred and eighty four three pointers, shooting forty one percent from long range. Only ten players have done that have done better than that. Like he's one of the eleven or twelve best three point shooters in the league. He's a good guy to have on your side. So I think it's a good valuable move for them. Like you're saying, as long as he's not, you know, called on to be the defensive reliability. We right. tweeted a, a graphic out about how he was always open and there were numerous comments being like, Well, so is this defender? Well, when he's defending the, the seventh best guy in a team, that's okay.
1: Right. Right, exactly. When, <clears throat> when you're in the starting lineup, there is nowhere to hide. And, yeah. like, sometimes when you're in the game, there's nowhere to hide. Like, he, he straight up got played off the floor in the finals just because the Suns figured him out and started targeting him. They were just going at him with pistol screens and, like, you know, it, Bud made a decision, was like, we're going to go with a little more defensive upside, and they needed that. Yeah. But, like, just because that happened doesn't mean that he can't be – a really good regular season contributor. When the Spurs get to the finals this year, maybe they'll, maybe they'll bench Bryn. I don't know. <laughs> but we'll worry about that when we get to it, all right? Yeah. Like, he's he can contribute on this team. He has skills that this team desperately needs help with. So, yeah. and, you know, like a lot of people were joking, like, oh, yeah, championship experience Bryn. Really, though? Championship experience Bryn. And he's coming back, and uh, he's like, one of the older players on this team.
0: Elder statesman Bryn Forbes.
1: Like, that's pretty wild to say. Yeah. But, um, you know, he does have that uh, that corporate knowledge. And that is important. I don't think it merits more than 18 minutes a game. Yeah. You know, like, like just because Pop is bringing in some guy with corporate knowledge, that doesn't mean he's going to play him more. We've seen a lot of people be critical... Uh, and a lot of the times, rightfully so, in my opinion, about uh, Pop and the coaching staff giving more opportunity to guys who have been there longer, know the system more, uh, but have less upside yeah. than you know, some of the younger players that they're trying to bring along. So I'm fascinated to see how the dynamic works out this year with the rotation.
0: I mean, speaking of that championship experience, too, we we put quotes around that, or we kind of giggle at that a little bit. But, I mean, at the very least, he can show everyone the ring and show you how good it felt to win that. I he, mean,
1: you pop can, can c- never take that away from him. Yeah. Never take that away. It's, to, to all the haters out there... It is NBA champion Bryn Forbes to you. Uh,
0: Popovich can come in and lay his five rings on the table, but I'm sure the one that Bryn Forbes is showing DeJounte Murray means more to Murray. Or that, <laughs> that experience means, like, it's going to make Murray I mean, thirstier for it, right? So.
1: Like, as a, as a motivational thing, yeah. like it's And, you know, when Bryn signed, people were like, oh, man, that would be funny if he won a ring. But, like, <laughs> he did. And, like, I bet it's not funny to Bryn Forbes. I bet it's one of the best things that's happened to him. Yeah. Um, Speaking of best things that have happened to Burn Forbes, uh, read in Jeff McDonald's, uh, piece about him coming back. Uh, he has, he has a home here that he didn't sell because his kids continued to live here. It's amazing. Go to school. And, yeah. um, you know, San Antonio is like, it's his second home because he spent so much time here, but he he's also chosen it. He's one of those guys who is, you know, chosen to be here. And, uh, I think especially given the abuse that he took. Because, uh, like, it wasn't his fault that he was playing the third most minutes on yeah. the team. That wasn't his choice. Um, and, like, there, there were a lot of people that were mad at him about it. And it's not his fault, but, like, he caught a lot of flack. And, you know, for him to, like, love being here and want to come back after having the option to just go back to the Bucks maybe make a little bit more money than he's making here and go for a second title. Yeah. Uh, he wanted to be here. So I think that uh, speaks to his commitment to the team and how much he wants to be here in San Antonio, which I I think is always a wonderful thing to see.
0: Exactly. And, I mean, he's always already made appearances with the Cullen Johnson uh, at a public event as well. So I think he's just really found himself ingrained with this young core, again, Brent is back in the building. Now, there's a few names attached to the Spurs this offseason involved in moves who haven't officially been uh, na- uh, announced by the Spurs as, as members of the Silver and Black. Uh, I'm thinking of Thaddeus Young, Al-Faruq Aminu, uh, Chandler Hutchinson, another guy who is, uh, I think, a throw-in on the Doug McDermott trade, if, if I'm not mistaken. Or he was involved in one of those four-man trade swings where the Spurs found a piece to, to get in there I, I think or it was but. the,
1: the five, five-man trade, and they got... A second round pick also with him.
0: Yeah. That was the one that was kind of the head scratcher. They got a second round pick for nothing. They, they or? traded
1: uh, Malutinov's draft rights. That's right. Malutinov, who they took and has been like a draft and stash since he got drafted like six years ago. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, uh, channel another guy who's been attached to a move that's been announced, but not officially in the building that this kind of leans towards the idea that, you know, there's more moves to be made, right? Maybe these guys are connected to trades. Maybe there's trying to work out some roster space or cap room to, to officially bring Thad Young into the building. Um, what, what do you see from this? What, what does this mean to you? Uh, is there another guy who's on the move? Um, which of these three guys are going to be on the team at the season's start?
1: Well, so, the Spurs right now have 17 guys on their roster. So, like, there, there are people asking, like, is there going to be another move? Like, there has to be another move of some sort. Yeah. Um, whether it's cut two players on guaranteed contracts, waive them, or a trade. A trade obviously makes more sense because you get something back. Uh, so I'm, I'm positive that the Spurs are exploring a bunch of options. Uh, the question is you know, who would they target? What would they get back? And what would they be giving up? Um, I think if you're going to cut two guys, the two that make the most sense are Hutchison and Aminu. Yeah. Um, It's they, they have the least overlap with what this team needs. And, you know, Aminu hasn't played really. Uh, He was hurt. He's on an expiring deal. It, if they go that route, that's probably what'll happen. But Aminu is also a pretty nice trade chip, expiring deal, nine mi- Like, he's a good trade chip for the reason that he was included in that Demar Derozan trade because yeah. it, it makes the salaries work. And so, if the Spurs were trying to acquire a player and send out draft picks or you know something else, Aminu could be a piece that makes sense. Thad Young, uh, he also fits that mold of like making 10-ish million dollars a year on an expiring deal. The thing is, he's a far more serviceable player. Yeah. So, um, you know, if if they're making a bigger trade, it would probably make sense to include Thad Young. Um, but I, I, I think that they'll be trying to make a trade rather than just get to camp and cut two guys that would be very anticlimactic
0: I yeah I think so too I mean we, we kind of danced around it a little bit right there but the bigger trade they've been tied to all off season is one for Ben Simmons and both Thad Young and Al Farouk could be pieces in that uh, alongside whether it's uh, all the names been mentioned uh, every single member of the Spurs Young Corps and those guys I don't know if this means that the Spurs are specifically trading for Simmons, but they're trading for somebody, right? Uh, that's the the idea here, uh, or, or trading for, for assets uh, of, that they can further on down the road. Maybe it's draft picks or things like that, some other capital they've, as well. They've so.
1: accumulated the assets, right? Yeah. They're posturing for a trade. Yeah. I don't know. The, the thing is, like, Spurs-Black Ops, right? I don't know what they're after. It's a mystery. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I I don't really see a Ben Simmons deal happening. Yeah. Um. I, the, the way I see it happening, if it does happen is, uh, like he's, he's driven his price down so much. Cause he's like, I'll only go to, you know, LA or the other LA or (laughs) golden state. And they're like, okay, we're going to send you to central Texas. No Kardashians there. Deal with it.
0: We've got Selena Gomez though. So
1: she, but how often is she courtside though? (laughs) Good point. Uh, so and and then if that's the case and the and the asking price is so low where they're just like we got to we got to dump him um and get like w- you know if we get a fax machine back like and it, i just don't see the value getting that low cuz he is still a good player he will have value somewhere but like i don't know the the situation there seems pretty irreparable yeah like like i ca- i can't i can't see that working long term but if nothing happens before the start of the season, I mean, you have until the trade deadline to make a trade. That's yeah. why it's called the trade deadline. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I think it makes sense for the Spurs to hold on to as many trade chips as they can mm-hmm. until the trade deadline, because there there is a move to be made. I, I'm not sure what it is. But, like, just looking at the depth chart, there are good players who might not see playing time this year just because there's... A lot like like they went out and got depth yeah uh they could have they could have used the cap space to go after like you know some some of the premier free agents out there uh and instead they got a bunch of different guys who can do more specialist roles but like all serviceable players who i think fit well with the young core it's just who's going to play, who's not
0: going to play. Yeah. I mean, without going out and trading for Ben Simmons or Damian Lillard is another guy who's another disgruntled star. um, I mean, what they did was decide to replace DeMar DeRozan and Rudy Gay and Patty Mills uh, for a lesser extent with depth. Right. Right. And that presents its own question here. Like, where do they go from this point on? How do they replace him in the rotation, in the lineup? I mean, just pulling some stats out, last year they scored 111 points per game. They lost the producers of 59% of those points between DeRozan, between Gay, Mills, even Gordy Jang added to that. Uh, I'm also including LaMarcus Aldridge's points into that statistic as well, because he was a factor in the first half of the season. Um, in terms of minutes played, they had seventeen thousand minutes total minutes played last year. Sixty-four percent of those minutes are returning, so it's not like they lost space. You know, it's not like they're filling the gap with starter equivalent minutes across the board. Although there is a starter position to fill, they're looking for the guys there to take the minutes they have and step up, and then provide backfill of that with depth. And that's where guys like Doug McDermott and Thad Young if he's on this team and Zach Collins if he can get healthy. Like there's all these good pieces out there to provide that depth as well. So I mean, looking at the starting lineup for instance, too, well who fits the best with the core four that starts? And I'm thinking outside of this fifth guy, it would be DeJounte Murray, Derek White, Keldon Johnson, and Jakob Purtle. Who's the guy to slide in there between the this rotation they have built?
1: I think there are two names that jump to mind uh like that would probably be best and offer the best like plug and play basketball mm. and that's Doug McDermott and Thad Young. Um and they offer completely different things, which I think is, you know, a really nice thing that the Spurs are gonna probably do some mixing and matching and seeing what works and what doesn't.
0: They offer two fantastic nicknames off the bat, Dougie Buckets fa Johnson,
1: right i mean and and both are like really good at what they do um doug McDermott like i was I was watching him today, and everybody knows he's a shooter, all right, yeah, he's got the elbow tucked, crate and cool um he's awesome getting to the rim yeah like he's. Uh, a really underrated finisher uh and like you know it's it's a lot of like layups like that he, he he can dunk though like he'll cram it on somebody um and he's gotten better as a rebounder he's uh not not the best defender but like a team defender yeah. understands where he's got to be um and i mean some some numbers for McDermott here 39% from 3 last year of all of his attempts come without a dribble. Uh, And on those attempts, he shoots 79% on two-pointers and 38% from three. Uh, Another quarter of his attempts come with just one dribble. And that's 65% from two and 45% from three. Uh, Efficiency drops a little bit after that. But, like, think the way Klay Thompson moves and shoots without the basketball and, like, similar size profile. Yeah. and, and that's how McDermott... And his one dribble off the catch is so ridiculous. Because like, he'll, he'll come from the corner off a screen up to the top and catch it. And as he's catching the ball, he knows if he's going to stop right there and launch a three, quick release, or take one step past the defender... And like throw the ball through the gap in the defense and at like super long strides, chase the ball, get after it, and he's at the rim already. Yeah. And like just a master at moving without the ball, creating angles for himself. He's a great cutter without it, uh, with or without a screen. He finds open spots on the floor. His shot prep is great. Um, and, you know, just as a replacement for DeMar DeRozan in this lineup, he's a completely different offensive player. Like, the exact opposite, essentially. Yeah. Um, where DeMar is a guy who thrives with the ball in his hands, creating for other people, doesn't really space the floor much, but, like, you know, dribble, 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 post-game, like, running pick-and-roll, finding teammates, stuff like that. Doug McBuckets is a finisher. Like, I mean, he gets buckets. It's, <laughs> it's, it's his full government. It's in his namesake, exactly. Uh, (laughs) I mean,
0: if you were kind of describing the template for what the Spurs wanted LaMarcus Aldridge to do at the beginning of last season, it's probably what McDermott does, right? It's the guy who spaces the floor. Maybe a little more catch-and-shoot than you were expecting from Aldridge, but I mean... Yeah, I mean, McBuckets is faster.
1: Yeah. Like, he's faster and smaller, but like they they wanted to basically turn LaMarcus Aldridge into a a pick-and-pop big man. I don't know how much uh, that... Doug is going to be setting screens so much as he's going to be running after, mm. like off of them, and that's that's the thing, right? Is so so he helps with the spacing a lot, um, but in terms of some of the other areas that the Spurs needed help with rebounding, defense, he's not really moving the needle in that regard. And you know, is he playing small four or is Keldon playing small mm. four? Because one of them is going to be, uh, and Keldon especially with Demar. Out now, it seems to make more sense for him to play the three. Um, And, you know, there are some teams where you're going to need a little more size. Uh, And, like, that's why I think that Thad Young is another really interesting piece who could be, uh, like, I I think would be a very serviceable uh, starting power forward for this team uh, in more of a traditional power forward role. Um
0: if Thad Young is on the roster October twentieth, I say was first game, starting the season, I mean there's an argument he's the most talented guy on this team.
1: <laughs> the, so 2K would agree with you. Yeah. Like I I think that he's the the highest rated two K he might be the oldest player on the roster. Yeah, I think as he's well. thirty three. Yeah, thirty two or thirty three. Yeah. More like Thaddeus old. <laughs> oh boy. Sorry. Uh That's not old. But, um, okay, another funny thing with Thadjik Johnson here. Uh, Five players in NBA history who have played 800 games, (laughs) scored 13.5 points per game, 5.9 rebounds (laughs) per game, 1.4 steals, 49% from the floor, 30% from three. Name them.
0: I mean, that's oddly specific stat lines. 5.9, 1.6. Shout,
1: shout out to Fox uh, Sports. Well, clearly
0: Indiana. Larry Legend. Yes. Because he is Larry Legend. Yes. Um, magic Johnson, the other guy to share the namesake with uh, magic mm-hmm. there. Uh, I mean, we're, now we're talking the goats. So I'm going to throw Jordan in there. Michael right. Jordan. Right. Um, Wilt is the fourth. I don't know who the fourth guy is. It's LeBron, actually. Okay. Uh, but That makes sense. The other goat, yeah. The goat right. I forget about and
1: then the fifth guy is Thad Young. So you've got <laughs> you got Magic Johnson's passing ability, uh, Larry Bird's irrational confidence, Michael's killer instinct and LeBron's build and boom. Thadgic Johnson baby. In all seriousness though, this guy is good. Like the it was a weird like obviously the numbers are funny and and very uh, very, very to, tailored yeah. to Thad Young, but uh it, it's indicative that he does a lot of different things good. And the one stat that wasn't on there was assists. And last year, he really grew as a passer. Yeah. Um, the the Bulls kind of used him as a, as a hub at the top of the key. Uh, and he was really good on short rolls as well. Uh, just, you know, breaking down the defense, finding the open man. Um, Mark Schindler on Twitter had a really good film breakdown on that. So go check that out. Uh, but, I mean he's He's going to bring defense, he's going to be bring rebounding. He is uh going to bring energy and veteran experience um, and he can sp- space the floor, although he did take a step back a little bit in that regard in Chicago yeah um but you know even if you just stick him in the corner and the defense can't quite just leave him there and, and let him shoot yeah um, that provides spacing and more of the other stuff than McDermott brings. So I think it's it's an interesting uh, choose-your-own-adventure here.
0: I mean, you've got two really good options. I mean, I, I think maybe they split the difference that both of them kind of play about the same amount of minutes per game, kind of get in that rotation depending on how the game goes, the flow of the game. The Spurs aren't a team to tinker with the starting five unless they need to based on injury, but they're not playing matchups uh, off that. They will play matchups in-game, though. They, they will kind of slide who's playing that. So I could see that coming out uh, being the way that works between Thad Young and Doug McDermott if that young is on the roster still not official um
1: and then then the wild card i think is a guy like luca yeah right who you know he's he's got the size he's got skill uh he's grown in strength he's a good two-way player yeah um we we saw some really excellent defense and limited opportunities from luka shamanish last year uh but the question is, how ready is he? Yeah. You know, is he healthy with that hand, and is he ready for? You know, it's his third year in the NBA now. Um, you know, is is he ready for consistent minutes? And we'll just have to wait and see on that.
0: It feels like there's a lot of clamoring about around Shamanich that This is the season he's got to make the jump. I mean, is this too soon? He was always going to be a prospect, always going to be a developmental kind of guy, building on that raw skills, raw talent he has. Should the Spurs give him five years to, to kind of really? mold into that role, or are we really banking it on right now and maybe the next season as well?
1: I mean, I think it's a big year for him. Yeah. But I think also if it's not a big year for him, then it's not a, as big a deal. Yeah. Like, because that was always the plan with him. And, you know, we've we've heard Brian Wright talk about long, wrong ways. And, you know, the getting these guys early and working with them. And, I mean, I, when they drafted Luka Shamanich, I was like... You know, like like the the optimist in me was like, I mean maybe there's a chance he turns into Croatian Kevin Durant, but the, I n- I never thought like oh he's gonna be sliding with guards on the perimeter. Yeah, that was not a thought that entered my brain, and we saw him doing that last year. So I mean, like I I'm I'm still high on his potential, and I still like will. I don't know if we'll know this year, but I, I do think it is a, a big year for him. It's a big opportunity for him.
0: Yeah, the, the steps that Shamanich took on defense last year were, were quite the surprise and, and provided a lot of optimism for, for, for what he could be. I think in the same regards, Kelvin Johnson also had moments where he showed defensive prowess, namely against shorter Luka. Uh, Mm -hmm. shutting down Luka Doncic, which is not easy to do. Um, but one of those guys who could do that and, um, just also bring that energy. I, I I do see like the long runway picture here, but I also feel, um, I I could see why Spurs fans may feel the pressure to see results from him because we're seeing, I mean, the way Primo played in summer league, like that was a guy also touted as a long runway, but again, also summer league, but we talked about last week. Um, showed a lot more promise, I think, right out the jump than Shamanich did. So um, when you're looking at long runway guys, it's not fair to compare them, but I could see Spurs fans being like, whoa, we're seeing a lot more from Primo already than we were at Shamanich at this time.
1: Right. The, the thing is, like, with a, with a project... It's not just that he's a project player. It's that yeah. he's a 6'11 project player who they drafted because they, like, he's got face-up games, Yeah. you know? Like, if, if he can be a legit triple threat guy... And play defense and play switching defense. Yeah. Uh, like, that's unicorn stuff, you know? And so, like, I don't want to say it's easier for Primo to be doing that at six six, but you see more of that. You yeah. see more ability to handle from guards who are, you know, among the shorter NBA players. Um, so when you have a guy who's 6'11", with all this potential... And he still does have a ton of potential. He's 21 this year? Yeah. So, yeah. uh, I I think it's going to be his best year, obviously. Um, But if his best year isn't, like, earth-shattering... I don't think they're going to give up on him. I think they're going to see what they get next year.
0: At the very least, this will be the year so far with the most opportunities. Like This roster is built where he's going to have playing time. And it's that way for everybody. Exactly. I mean, you were talking about the depth this team has – with Luke on the second unit, alongside guys like Trey Jones, Lonnie Walker, maybe one of Thaddeus Young or Doug McDermott, on that side as well. I mean, and then, of course, they got Jock Landell, who was the sleeper signing, uh, maybe Zach Collins when he's healthy coming off the bench as well. Like, it's a pretty deep team. You know, the second right. unit is pretty formidable, all things considered, when you look at it uh, on the bigger picture here, uh, stacked up against other second units. You know... Doug McDermott, to me, is the guy who I think should slide into that starting rotation compared to, you know, guys like Luka or Thaddeus Young. I mean, you mentioned the finishing at the rim. You mentioned the three-point prowess. Um, of course, not a great defender. He's about what DeMar DeRozan was in terms of what he's going to give you on the defensive side, uh, which means that he, he's got some hustle to him. But at the same time, too, like if he's the fifth worst defender on the floor alongside guys like DeJounte Murray, Derek White, Kelton Johnson and Jakob Purtle, that's okay. They can cover some bases there in the same way they did for DeMar, you know. This was a team that was good defensively for stretches, you know, um, with those guys on the floor. Um, I, I predicted a career year for, for McDermott. I think this is a great signing for the Spurs. If he gets 14 points per game, uh, that's the most he's ever gotten in his career on the NBA level. Last year, he was 12.6 in what was a career year for him already. So he's going to keep on building on that. He's a guy who, who wants to be here, who saw the opportunity to be here, uh, can really grow and flourish in that role and what he brings. And I'm just excited to see him. Yeah. Um, and we'll, we'll see what happens uh, as the season unfolds. And
1: he talked about, you know, growing up watching the Spurs and, you know, wanting to be a part of that system yeah. and, like, wanting to be a system player. Yeah. Um. And not a lot of people, like, want that label. Um, like, because it's used to detract yeah. a lot of the time. But, like, Spurs love him a system player, you know? Yeah. Because, I mean, seriously, go go watch the way that this guy moves without the basketball if, you know any anybody who plays the sport of basketball can learn from watching Doug McDermott play. It's Is he awesome. the best
0: off-ball guy the Spurs have had since I don't know Danny Green, another guy who was just a complete hustle or covering cro- constantly on the move, cutting across the floor, things like that. That's this kind of what as you were describing him, playing uh, kind of rolling off the, the the screens there and things like that and what he does off the ball. That that was the first name that jumped to my mind.
1: I I think that's probably a good uh, that's probably a good comp and the difference is Danny Green was a lockdown defender Mm. and Doug McBuckets can put the ball on the floor one time really well. Yeah. And, you know, create advantages going the other way. Um, So, and just in terms of the fit, like him with that unit, you, you want a guy who doesn't need the ball. And I don't think that young needs the ball in his hand either. Um, But, you you have a guy who is constantly moving, constantly pulling the defense away from the rim. Yeah. Um, and I I think that everybody on this Spurs team can benefit from playing with Doug McBuckets, who's a veteran, who's yeah. like you know bringing a lot of experience.
0: Ninth season in the league? Eighth yeah, season? Something like something, that? Something like that. It's pretty wild. Now, a name I forgot to mention when naming off the second unit guys was Bryn Forbes. We're, mm-hmm. we're sure he's a second unit guy. He's not a starter. You're not seeing him sliding into the starting role like he did uh, in his last season with the Spurs? I just can't see it happening. No. I mean,
1: like, think of it like a pit stop in a race, right? Like, he, he was third. He went and did his own thing. Won a championship. Came back on the track. And now he's probably eighth, I would say. And, like, the other cars are going faster. Yeah. Like that—that's the thing. It was like two years ago, I was in the camp that was like Lonnie should be getting these Bryn minutes, and it was a lot murkier then about like you know was Lonnie ready for that. I was—I was my argument was get him ready by giving him the minutes. That's the only way you get ready is if you play. Yeah. Um, it's been a, a year of development for Lonnie since then. He played 25 minutes a game last year. Um, I can't see Bryn's minutes eating into Lonnie's. Really, I think it, they'll probably come at the expense of Trey Jones, yeah. uh, who had, I think, a really great summer league, um, deserving of an all summer league team snubbed. Whatever, it's not 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 mad about it. It's not something I was even thinking about. I it's I not it's not that. tapes
0: to your wall or no. anything like that. No, um,
1: so. we are mad though, <laughs> uh, but like. I, and I think that Bryn coming off the bench in that role is going to be really solid. Yeah.
0: I mean, speaking of the bench as well, if DeRozan was the biggest piece to replace, and we've talked about the the methods the Spurs will go about doing that with the roster they have, losing Patty Mills I mean they lost like the primary ball handler with the second unit. Did Lonnie solidify himself as that guy? Uh, is that where we're trending? I think so. Yeah.
1: I like... We might see Lonnie Walker as the the point guard of that second unit, and Bryn next to him, and you know Trey getting minutes when one of them needs an off night or whatever, or you know, if Bryn's getting cooked, they put in guy who won Defensive Player of the Year for the ACC in college. Yeah, it's it's pretty like, I think that you know, fifth guard is going to be pretty matchup dependent, and. I think it's pretty solid because you've got two guys who do very different things. Like, one guy who's a pure shooter and one guy who's way better at everything else. And then still trying to get that shooting part down. Yeah. And they've got very similar, like, you know, size. Like, people always talk about Bryn Forbes' size. He's 6'3". Yeah. You know, he's, he's not teeny tiny. Um, and, you know, similar packages but do wildly different things on the court. So yeah. Uh, I'm I'm excited to see uh, the the different things that we see there. Um, I, I just can't see Bryn eating into Lonnie's minutes anymore. I,
0: I'm with you there. I mean it. it, it Lonnie is a great guy. In the same way, that this is the reason why Ben Simmons would fit on a team built for Ben Simmons. With that second unit, and that's not where Ben Simmons would play on the Spurs perspective if they ever brought him in, but on that second unit, Lonnie Walker gets to be the guy to slash and then kick. And this team suddenly has kickers, right? They got the people to catch the ball between, I mean, Vassell, between Bryn Forbes, I mean... If, if Westcamps finds a way onto the roster, too, he's another sharpshooter uh, who, who's gone on a two-way contract. But um, And then if it's McDermott in the second unit, uh, he's another guy that's spread the fourth. I mean, this is a roster built... Jock Landell. Jock Landell. In the
1: words of Jock Landell, can shoot the piss out of the ball. <laughs> uh, I know. mean, it, it
0: reminds me of two years ago, maybe, or three years ago, where the Spurs had polar opposite lineups, right? The starting five was a slow pace, kind of methodical... Um, it's either going to be DeRozan uh, on the elbow or it's going to be Aldridge posting up or Aldridge in the two, you know, like taking a long two. Like that team was built to slow it down and slow the pace down and score the way they're best to score. And that bench was one of the highest scoring benches in the league. It was a three-point shooting bench, um, played with pace, played with intensity. That feels like what this bench is built for again. But at the same time, the first unit can do that as well now. So. Right.
1: It's gonna be, I think it's going to be a faster Spurs team that we see yeah. this year. Um, And I I think it's going to be better defensively. Yeah. Um, Part of that is going to be starting the season with Jakob Pirtle back there, uh, anchoring the defense. You know, something that, I mean, last season, the first, until LaMarcus Aldridge was off the team, was a struggle in pretty much every defensive scenario. And, you know, like, it's different with Jak, who, I mean, Behind Gobert is one of the best three or four big men in the game defensively. Yeah. So, I mean, he's up there with guys like Capella, and, you know, he he contests a ton of shots. He's really long at the rim, really quick on his feet for somebody who's seven foot one and that strong. Um, I think it's going to be a, a big year for Jakob Pertl as well.
0: Yeah. I mean,. A lot of excitement we talked about here in terms of the shape here still might be a little lower of a bar in terms of success, um, but that's who we think the, how the roster will shape up. We want to hear your opinion as well. Who slides into that starting position as well? We'll put a graphic up on the Big Fun Pod Twitter at Big Fun Pod, uh, so please weigh in on that, and we'll we'll share the results with you guys next time we get together. Tom, you working on any cooking on anything for the digital side here? What you got in the, the books here?
1: Uh, I'm I'm doing a lot of research because I'm I'm still. It's still a coin flip for me, mm. that Young or, or Doug McDermott. I'm, I I really want to break down uh, all of the film that I can find on these guys uh, because, I mean, not just new faces on the Spurs, but new faces that I think are going to make a pretty significant impact. Yeah. If uh, you know, assuming that Thad Young is on the team, um, it's the they're good players. They're good players who fit a lot of the needs that the Spurs have, um, and. I'm excited. I'm excited to watch them both work here. Um, but yeah, I, I really want to dive into uh, who's the better choice and have a have a stronger answer. I want to I come to a definitive opinion on that. Yeah. Uh, so I think that'll be the next thing you see from me.
0: Great. Well, keep an eye out for Tom's deep dive on the new faces of the Spurs at Kins5.com. Of course, Kins5 is the home of the big fundamental podcast, uh, and Kins5 is the official TV station of the San Antonio Spurs. That's Tom Petrini. I'm Jackson Floyd. We'll see you guys next time. Thank you for listening. Peace.